take the next few weeks and talk about the idea of what Scripture tells us about Christmas, and in particular, in the area of how do we find peace in our lives. Next week, we're going to look at that passage in Isaiah where Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace, and we're going to talk about how we can personally apply that. The week after Christmas, we'll take some time, and then we'll see how can we find peace in our lives and in our families as we go into the year ahead, and uh, excited for what's going to happen on the Christmas Eve services. Pastor Bill's already talked to us about those this morning. And it's interesting, um, when, I was, when I was preparing for the message today, um, and, and thinking about it and praying about it, all of a sudden, the next three times that I have to preach just kind of popped in my head. And uh, every so often, the Holy Spirit will do that, where the God, God will kind of give me this, like, escape from writer's block. Does that make any sense? And it's like, man, just kind of all of a sudden, as I was preparing, next Sunday, the Christmas Eve services, the Sunday after that, that all just kind of popped in my, in my spirit, in my head, and I'm feverishly writing stuff down. And I said, God, this is great. Thanks for, thanks for this. Now, can you just tell me what you want me to talk about today? Like, I'd really like to know what's, what's next. And I prayed about it. I knew we were going to talk about the shepherds this morning and that story in Luke chapter 2. And in the midst of that, there was just this one overarching thought that just kept coming back to my mind. And it's simple. But I really feel like it's what, what God would drop in our hearts for today. Just very simply, God wants you to have peace this Christmas. That's simple. Just a, just a simple statement But I think that for some people, it will powerfully impact you today because maybe you're wrestling in this holiday season with this idea of finding peace in your heart or in your home or in your mind or in your spirit, whatever it might be. God wants you to have peace this Christmas. And so as we look at this passage, Luke chapter 2, Story of the Shepherds, keep that in mind. And we're going to talk about peace from a couple of different perspectives. So jump in with me if you would. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8, very familiar Christmas story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Isn't it interesting that when the news came out that Jesus was born, that the Messiah, and you've got to remember that for centuries the Jewish people had been waiting for someone to come and rescue them, someone to come and deliver them. He was who they referred to as the Messiah, the promised one, the one who was going to come and, and bring peace and freedom and rescue to them. When the news came that the Messiah had been born, the initial response is for this army of angels to show up and give praise to God and say glory to God in the highest heavens. And of all the words that could be chosen to describe what this Messiah would bring, it was the word peace. That peace had come to earth. This morning, I want you to get this. God wants you to have peace this Christmas. One thought, grasp that. We're going to look at it from three different perspectives as we consider the story of the shepherds. God wants you to have peace this Christmas. Let's consider this. Number one, you are a candidate for peace. You are a candidate for peace. Some of us have already given up on any thought of peace in the next three, four weeks. 
Because we hit the holiday season and chaos comes and busyness comes. For some of us, fear comes or loneliness comes or insecurity or inadequacy or the things that we don't have or we get overwhelmed by all the things that we do have and what we have to do. And for some of us, we've already checked out and said, peace, not not for me this year. I want to encourage you, you are a candidate for peace this Christmas. Came across a, a, a few letters that some children had written to Santa Claus. Let me read two of them for you this morning. Um, these are not in the Bible, by the way. Letters to Santa Claus. This is not from the Bible. But one, one letter said, Dear Santa, you did not bring me anything good last year. You did not bring me anything good the year before that. This is your last chance. <laughs> Sincerely, Alfred. Here, I like this one. Dear Santa... There are three little boys who live at our house. There is Jeffrey. He is two. There is David. He is four. There is Norman. He is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. But Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. (laughs) This dude wanted to make sure he made the nice list, right? the point right christmas i want to be on the nice list not the shepherds if you were looking at who these shepherds were back in the first century you would find they probably wouldn't have made anybody's nice list not because they were necessarily bad people in fact throughout scripture shepherds are considered in a very positive light moses was a shepherd david was a shepherd in fact jesus himself is referred to as our good shepherd right so it's not that they were shepherds but because they were shepherds they were outcasts in that society there's a reason why it says they were living out in the fields because the work that they did was dirty and it was nasty and it was labor intensive and oftentimes the people who were shepherds were consigned to be out in the fields because in a certain sense they were outcasts from society if you walked into the to the convenience store in bethlehem and picked up a copy of people magazine there would not be any shepherds on the front cover they were not among the rich and the famous They were the people who were just out in the field. In fact, because of what they did and in line with Jewish law, oftentimes they were considered ceremonially unclean. So these are people who were on the fringes of society. And isn't it interesting that that's who God chose to bring the message of Christ's birth to first? The least likely people that you would expect to hear that message were candidates themselves for God's peace, which just reminds us that no matter who you are, no matter what you think about yourself, or maybe what you think God thinks about you, or the church thinks about you, you are a candidate for God's peace and his hand and his power to be at work in your life. Like the shepherds, our social status does not determine our spiritual status. God doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't care what you've done. His love for you is real and it's available to you. And if you think that somehow you're outside of the grip of his peace in your life, let this story be a reminder that God chose the people on the fringe of society to be the ones that he communicated his peace to first. You are a candidate for God's peace. Not only that, but think of the time in which this happened. I think sometimes when we, when we set up our nativity scenes at home, we think that it all happened like at Disney World, right? It was a magical, happy place. It was anything but. Bethlehem in that day would have been in the midst of, of a lot of turmoil and chaos. Let's start here. These were financially hard times for the Jewish people. 
Their economy was not in a good place, in part because they were under Roman oppression. The, the empire of Rome ruled Israel at that time. So they were paying high taxes. People did not have freedom of their own in that time, in that season. So not only financially is it a rough time, but you take on top of that that politically it was a rough time. They were literally under the oppression of a foreign government. So the people did not have the freedom, did not have the peace. That is why for centuries they had prayed for and looked for someone who would rescue them that we refer to as the Messiah. So it's in the midst of this political upheaval, this unrest, this corruption that was in their, their, their leaders and their authorities. In the midst of all of that, that's when this story happens. Add to that the chaos that was going on at that time. Do you remember that the story is this, that Mary and Joseph left Nazareth, which was their hometown, and went to Bethlehem, where this story takes place, not because they got a good deal on a timeshare, right? Why'd they go to Bethlehem? Because the government said, you must go back to the place where your family is from, because we're going to take a census. We're going to count how many people there are. And so you have to leave where you are, and you have to go where your family comes from. This was crazy chaos. It was as if they took a a snow globe of the kingdom of Israel and just kind of flipped it upside down, and things were just scattered everywhere. So much so that when Mary and Joseph go to the Hampton Inn, there's no room there, right? So they go to the Red Roof Inn. There's no room there. They go to that shady hotel with, with, with a weird name with the outside doors. Do you know the one I mean? They go there. There's no room there. Why? Because it's nothing but chaos in that time and in that place. Remember, this is when this story takes place. In the midst of crazy chaos to a group of outsiders, outcasts from society, that's who the angel comes to and says, look, I am bringing you peace. In the midst of your chaos... In the midst of who you think you are, you are a candidate for peace today. God will bring you peace. In the midst of chaos, God can bring peace. Simple statement, but incredibly true, and what some of us need to hear today. That in spite of your situation, or your circumstance, or what you're facing, or what others may say about you, and all these things seem to get highlighted in the midst of the Christmas season, don't they? Remember this, you are a candidate for peace, and not just mediocre peace. Look at this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. You know what that means? Peace that will blow your mind because you can't comprehend it. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You are a candidate for peace. That's good news. Number one, about peace today. You are a candidate for peace. Let me give you a second thing that we see in the story of the shepherds. Number two, you can be an agent of peace. Number two, you can be an agent of peace. What's an agent? An agent is somebody who who works for someone else, who who communicates something or is on a mission for that person. And you are called by God to be an agent of his peace to deliver it to others. That's what the shepherds did. Go back with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Go back and look at that. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They went out and told people what they had seen, what they had heard. They they immediately, when they got to the manger, pulled out their cell phones and took a selfie with Jesus, right? And they posted on Instagram or Israelgram, whatever they called it at that time. They, they put out there, you won't believe what happened to us tonight. Hashtag angels, hashtag Messiah. It was out there, right? They spread the word. They wanted people to know, we just saw something crazy. You're never going to believe this. If you think about it, deep down in your heart, when you see something wonderful or amazing, what is it that you want to do? You have a great meal, you tell people about it. You see something awesome, you're going to share it. You go to a movie and it, and it touches your heart some way, what do you do? You recommend to other people that they do that. There is something natural in us that when we have a wonderful experience, we want to share it with other people. This is what happened to the shepherds and this is what should happen to us as, 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 as those that have encountered Jesus Christ. When you experience something wonderful, you should naturally want to share it. It's what's inside of you. Now, we're all wired differently. For some of us, we share it with those we're the closest with. For the others of us, we, we think everybody on Facebook wants to know about your sandwich, right? But we, we experience something, and we put it out there. Why do we share it? Because it means something to us. And so we, we pass it along. Just like the shepherds, we're challenged to be agents of peace to take the good news about Jesus Christ and to share it with other people. I thought about this. Why, why would it be that if I experience something wonderful, I might not share it with somebody else? Why might I not share it? One reason is I might be afraid that I'm going to lose what I have. That if I tell you about it, that somehow you'll take it and then I won't have it anymore. Does salvation work like that? Does, does a relationship with Jesus Christ work like that? No, I mean, just, just because I tell you about it, you experience his grace and his, and his love and his forgiveness and his peace. There's plenty to go around. So we can share it. The other reason sometimes that we don't share things is because we don't want other people to be happy. Which is kind of a weird thing to think about. Some of you, you're like a new, new store opens up and you go and it's got clothes that you like. And you're like, I'm not going to tell her about that because she might come to church wearing the same blouse I'm wearing. So I don't want her to know. You kind of get that. Would you, would you do that with Jesus? Now, the only other reason I can think of why, why we sometimes just don't tell people about what Christ has done for us is, is because we just forget how wonderful it is. Or we just get so used to what he's done for us. Or we just get apathetic. Or maybe even spiritually lazy. And we just don't bother to think past ourselves to the fact that we've received something wonderful that others need to receive. And isn't the response of the angels something, or not of the angels, but of those that the shepherds told, amazing? Because the shepherds tell them, and what are the people's responses? It's that they are amazed at what God has done. Oftentimes, I don't tell other people about what Christ has done for me because I'm afraid how they're going to respond. They might think I'm weird. They might think I'm strange. They might just dismiss it. They might not be my friends anymore. They might be freaked out. We think of all those things. What happened when the shepherds told? The people were amazed. You know why? 
Because I, I honestly believe that deep down inside, what every one of us long for, what we desire, is to be made right with Jesus Christ. To experience the grace and the life and the peace that only he can bring. And we cannot forget that. Do not forget that there is a longing for peace in every heart. And even if you share your faith in Jesus Christ with someone and they disregard you or dismiss you, I honestly believe that God uses those encounters to speak his word and to speak his peace to other people because we have that great longing in our hearts. When you leave today, Pastor Bill already mentioned this, we're gonna, we're gonna hand you one of these invitation cards for our Christmas services coming up. They'll be um, Tuesday the 23rd, Wednesday the 24th at five and seven. And so we'll give you these cards and I would encourage you to take, take one if you want more than that. They're in the little kiosks throughout the building. But to take these and use these as a great opportunity <clears throat> for you to invite someone to come and hear about what Jesus Christ can do in your life. On the back, it's got the information about the church and the times and even the website so people can go out and see we're not weird beforehand, right? Isn't that great? That's helpful. If you think we're weird, keep it to yourself. You don't have any peace. And um, <laughs> this is a great tool for you to be able to do that. Would you pray about God? Who, who do you want me to share this with? But let me challenge you with this first. Okay, you cannot be an agent of peace if you are not at peace yourself. You can't be a representative of peace if you don't have peace. So I want to I talk just very briefly about the things that can rob us of our peace. We've been doing this uh, for about a month or so, this unique thing. On Tuesday mornings, I meet with um, anybody on our staff who's available, and we just sit down and I say, look, I, I feel like God wants me to preach about this. This is the message we're going to speak on this next week, can you, you help me with some insight or unpack this or how do we apply this so, so it hits people's lives? And it's been really cool and helpful and we have some really neat dialogue. And this last Tuesday when, when our staff met, the conversation we had centered around all the things that tend to rob us of our peace. Things that can take peace from us. And I just want to briefly share three of those with you today. I'm going to call them peace busters. Is that all right? And these are things that can show up during the Christmas season in particular. Let me share with you three peace busters this morning. Here's the first one. Peace buster number one is media madness. Peace buster number one is media madness. If you turn on the television, if you watch the news, if you read the headlines, how much of that is good news compared to bad news? Most of it's bad news. Why? Because bad news sells, right? And also because there's a lot of bad news. But it's crisis and conflict and challenges. That's what gets our attention. That's what draws us in. If you, if you were a cable news network and all you were was good news, people would check out before the first commercial break, right? But the bad news, somehow that pulls at us, that draws at us, and we're drawn to that, and we fill our minds with that, and we, we work with that, and that media madness comes in, and it causes us to lose hope. It causes us to lose peace. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be informed. I'm not saying you, you, you should speak poorly about any media outlet or anything like that. I'm not doing that. I think you just need to be wise what you're putting into your mind and how much you think about these things and the madness that's in the media. Add to that social media where many of us do gauge our days by devices we hold in our hands and finding out what other people are doing, what other people are saying. That gets even crazy at the holiday season when people are posting this and posting that and we compare ourselves to other people and we have all these voices that are speaking to us and I don't know about you, but that can begin to become crushing. When you watch the news and you see about racial tensions in our country and unrest throughout the rest of the world, 
And when you find out that somebody else is in the Bahamas while you're freezing here in Toledo, right? All that media madness can have a tendency to rob us of our peace. What do we do? I would challenge you, and there's nothing wrong with those things I talked about. You just got to run them through a filter of what is truth. Because just because something is news doesn't mean it's based on truth, right? We need a foundation of the truth. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in Fox News forever. Amen? Trust in Facebook forever. Nothing wrong with those things, but what does Scripture tell us? Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. In the midst of a world of media madness, make sure your filter and foundation is the word of God. That if you're going to put your confidence and your trust in anything, make sure it's in Jesus. Because peace comes when we focus on the eternal source of truth. Peace comes when we focus on the eternal source of truth. And you will encounter people, especially in this holiday season, who will have uncertainty, who will be anxious, who will be fearful, and know that in the midst of a world that can cause anxiety and fearfulness, our foundation is on the Lord, a solid rock who stands forever. Amen? Mythbuster number two. You ready? Here's number two. People problems. Mythbuster, or uh, Mythbuster. <laughs> Watch a little too much TV, Chad. Peacebuster number two. Peace buster number two, people problems. When I read that one in the first service, there was a lady over here and a lady over here that just laughed out loud. All I said was people problems. And they had like their Christmas dinner come to mind right away. Like they thought of somebody. And you've all got somebody. There's probably somebody in your family, somebody on the job, somebody in your circle that especially at Christmas just drives you crazy. And we have these, I see some of you nodding. (laughs) If you're sitting next to you, stop nodding. And um, we all have people problems. What do you do in those moments and with that time? Here's where we lose peace. Where we lose peace is where our focus centers on the person and their problem instead of our response to it. We lose peace when I get real upset with you instead of thinking about how can I deal with this for myself. I'm going to mess the story up, Rhonda, but just, just nod your head because I wasn't there. But Rhonda, my wife, told me this story about she was in a, in a major like department store this week. And she was pushing her, her, her cart down you know, past all the cash registers. And this is right where everybody comes in and everybody goes out. It's like the, the big spot. And there was this little lady who stood right in the middle there. And for whatever reason, she threw her hands up in the air and said, What is wrong with you people? And she just had a meltdown right there in front of aisle four. It was crazy. If you're here, thanks for this great story. If that was you, right? Why? Because there's that pressure that comes right now. People begin to drive us crazy. If you focus on that, it will destroy you. So what do you do? Let me give you three just kind of hints from Scripture, all from the book of Proverbs that talk about peace. Dealing with people problems. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 20. Watch this. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, 
the holidays can be a great time for guilt, manipulation, and, uh, and deceit. Even among families, right? Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil. But those who promote peace have joy. If you're looking for joy this Christmas, promote peace. In the midst of those people problems, be an agent of peace. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. I'm not envious until I watch some other people open their Christmas gifts. <laughs> I'm not envious until I start thinking about what other people have that I don't. And envy will rot you from the inside out. But if you want peace, be content with where you are. One last scripture that helps us with people problems. Proverbs 16, verse 7. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. And there may be people, I don't want you to call them your enemy, but there's this tension that comes. And here's what scripture says. When you are right with God, God will help you in those circumstances. He will bring peace. Peace is found when we focus our hearts on God and not others. Let let that be maybe a little encouragement for you if you struggle with peace this Christmas. Peace is found when we focus our hearts on God and not on others. Peace buster number three. Let's look at uh, one last one real quick. Peace buster number three. Unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. We go into um, these Christmas seasons and we shop and we cook and we clean and we prepare in so many different ways. But I wonder how much time we really take to prepare our hearts for what we're about to walk into. Have you prayed about those family gatherings? Have you asked God to help you have wisdom and discernment and peace as you go through these different circumstances? And I think we have expectations of how things are going to go sometimes, whether it be how great that party is going to be, or maybe this year your crazy uncle isn't going to act up. Does it, you, you, anybody have a crazy uncle? I called him Crazy Uncle Ed in the first service, and somebody came to me afterwards and said, I think there's going to be a guy named Ed in the second service. You might not want to say that, right? So let's just call him your crazy uncle. We've all got those situations. And sometimes we just need to have realistic expectations about how things are going to go in the midst of that. Let me, let me, let me say it to you this way. Any of you ever been a part of a white elephant gift exchange? Do you know what I'm talking about? I was a part of two this week. Our, our staff um, Christmas lunch, and we do this kind of traditionally every year. We do a little white elephant gift, and it's usually just kind of joke, kind of funny stuff. But sometimes there's a thing that has some value. And then our connect group actually did it last night, and we had our uh, we do that every year, and it's kind of epic the way that that all goes, and it's a lot of fun. And we we did that. Here's the deal: I have been a part of these white elephant gift exchanges, and if you've never done this, it kind of works that at some point, if you see something and it's your turn, and somebody else has it and you want it, you can take it, right? You can just walk across the room and snatch that thing. I've seen people of God act like pagans in that moment, right? <laughs> people who I have the utmost respect for throw their integrity and their character out the window just to get some $10 trinket they think they want. Relationships damaged for eternity because of a white elephant. Is that right? Nah, you know why? You know the rules, right? You know that's going to happen. That's part of the fun of the, the game and the whole thing because you know you're playing by a different set of rules. Watch this. You will interact with people 
and I'm speaking particularly to those of you who are followers of Christ, you're going to interact with people during the Christmas season who do not play by the same rules you do, right? And so sometimes we get upset when we're interacting with people at work and we interact with people at family gatherings. We interact with people and we expect them to act with the fruit of the Spirit. We expect them to be like Jesus, but they're not going to be like Jesus because they don't play by the same rules, right? And then we get all frustrated because they act all hurt and lost. We should not be surprised when hurt and lost people act like hurt and lost people, right? It's just what's going to happen. And don't let your expectations be unrealistic about the fact that you may have some conflict in this season. Watch how Jesus handled this. John chapter 2, verse 24. Jesus was interacting with people and it says, But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind is really like. You know what your family is really like, right? So don't be surprised when your crazy uncle shows up. Don't have unrealistic expectations. In particular, realize you are called in the midst of that to be an agent of peace. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For, we preach, for what we preach is not ourselves... But Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So when you walk into a situation and hurt and lost people act like hurt and lost people, don't be surprised. Just realize that you are there to be the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ. You are there to bring peace to that situation and to watch and see how God may be able to work through you in touching someone else's heart. Does that make sense? So hopefully these things will help us to be agents of peace. Okay, we've talked about the fact that you are a candidate for peace this morning. We've talked about the fact that you are called to be an agent of peace in this Christmas season. One last one, number three. You will find peace in the Savior. If you're looking for peace this Christmas season, if you're looking for it in your heart, in your home, in your interactions with others, you will find peace in the Savior. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. There's the birth announcement, right? Not just, hey, Mary and Joseph had a kid. This is bigger than that. This is, look, we have a Messiah. We have a Savior. What is the immediate, natural response of this? They find out they have a Savior, and suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angels begin to praise God. They begin to recognize how powerful this is, that there's a Savior who has come. The key is this now. It's up to the shepherds to decide what they're going to do. They've got the facts in front of them. They've got the truth right there. They just have to decide what they're going to do with it. So in verse 15, we see what they do. It says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They had to make a choice to respond. Two responses that I would encourage you with. Number one, praise is the result of this realization of a Savior. 
Did you notice that when the angels said that the Messiah had come, this army of angels, their immediate response is to thank God, to give glory to God in the highest heaven. They say this, the the theological word would be this doxology of who God is and how great he is. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth on those whom his favor rests. This, This incredible thing happens that when we realize we have a savior, our natural response is to praise God. Why is this important? Because we do this every December, right? We decorate and we set up and we celebrate and we stress out. We do this every year and we forget that it's about the Savior. You might not, but I do. And what I need to make sure is this year that when I realize that it's really about what Jesus Christ has done for me, that I praise him. Don't lose the wonder this Christmas. Don't let it slip away. Don't let it pass you by. There's more going on here than just a few Christmas specials on TV. Don't lose the wonder of what Christ has done. And that what God did in sending his son Jesus was not just so that we could have something cool to talk about in December at church. He did it so he could bring healing to your family. He did it so that you could have forgiveness from all those regrets that seem to be in the back of your mind. He did it so that your life would have purpose and that your your future would have hope. There's more going on here than just a cool story in history. What's going on here is that God came to give you something that you could never have on your own. That's why we praise him. Don't lose the wonder of this this Christmas. And then I challenge you with this too. If praise is the result of this realization, then peace is the result of this relationship with the Savior. And the shepherds had to make a choice, and they had to go and find him. And when they did, they found something more than they bargained for. Not just a photo op. They found salvation. They found the one who could set them free. Peace is the result of this relationship with the Savior. How do we know? Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The holidays can be hard for some of us, and what we do is we distract ourselves with things. Instead of dealing with maybe the emptiness that we have inside, we distract ourselves with food, we distract ourselves with events, we distract ourselves with the gift-giving, we distract ourselves with the celebration. But here's what I know. Deep down inside, there is a place where if you're missing peace, it's because you don't have peace with God. Whether you acknowledge him or not, whether you believe that or not, here's what scripture says and here's what I've seen to be true in people's lives. Until you find peace with God, you're not going to have peace in this life. We may hide it, we may medicate it, we may distract ourselves from it, but peace is only found in one place. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. When, when we hear Linus say it on the Charlie Brown Christmas special, we think of peace on earth and we think that, that means that the headlines are going to read something wonderful. We think peace on earth and we think that 
that there'll be no more conflict and there'll be no more trouble and everybody all around the world will be um, shaking hands and hugging each other and sharing a Coca-Cola, right? Isn't that what comes to our mind when we think peace on earth? And the truth is, if you read Scripture someday, that will happen. When Jesus comes again, we read about it, particularly in the book of Revelation, when he comes again, there will be peace that comes to the earth. But that's not, that's not all that the angels were talking about in Luke chapter 2 when they said peace on earth. They weren't just talking about headlines for the future. They were talking about your heart for today. Grasp this. Peace is not just an expectation of the headlines for the future. Peace is an experience for the heart for today. That's why Jesus came. Not just as a baby, but that's why he lived a sinless life. That's why he died on the cross, so that he could pay the price for your sins and mine. And he rose again so that he would have the power and the life to do something about it. And you can know his forgiveness and his life and his hope and his peace if you'll receive that today. It's not just peace in the headlines. This is peace in your heart. And for some of you, as I talk about that, whether you want to receive it or not, there's something that's inside of you where you know and you say, I need that peace. What do I do? How do I find it? We love the Christmas season, but the truth is it comes with a lot of chaos, doesn't it? For some of us, the most basic place is in our living rooms. I have had more people say to me this year, I just haven't had time to decorate. Have any of you said that or heard that? She's like, I've just been so busy. I don't have time to decorate my house. I don't know how it works at your house, but here's how, here's how it works at our house. My wife is crazy gifted at, at all things decor, decoration. If you've, if you've been in the New Connection Center, Rhonda did all the decorating in there, and she's just, she's just crazy gifted. She specializes in taking like, like spaces that are rough and unfinished and making them look wonderful and beautiful. Check me out. Right? I'm her greatest work of art. And there's, there was a lady in first service right up there who went, and it's a work in progress. Don't say amen to that. Right? So here's what happens at our house. There comes, a, there comes a point where we say, all right, now's the time. It's time to decorate. And so we go out in the garage, and we have all the Christmas decorations in tubs, right? So those tubs are in the back of the garage for 10 months by themselves. I'm pretty sure they reproduce back there. Do yours? There's always more this year than I know I put in there last year. Something happens during the time. And then they all come in the house. And then maybe, depending on the schedule, maybe for a couple of days, there's these boxes everywhere. And there's stuff everywhere. Because you're taking some stuff down. You're putting some stuff up. You're doing all this kind of stuff. And it is just, just to be honest, it's a beautiful thing. But it's chaotic. Because everything's in upheaval. It's not the way that I wanted it to be or that I thought it was going to be. And then I came home from work the other day. You can tell how much help I was. I came home from work the other day. And all of a sudden, all the boxes are gone. And my house was just transformed into this beautiful place of of Christmas peace. I almost just bailed on all of you and didn't come today so I could just sit there and enjoy it, right? Because there's something wonderful about that. Why? Because at some point you made a choice to say, look, I'm going to trade in this chaos, maybe even do some hard work and some tough decisions so that I can come to a place where I find peace. The shepherds had to go and see what was given to them. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. They just had to choose that peace. And I want to challenge you with that same thing today. Because for some of you, the circumstances that you're in, you maybe didn't even ask for them, but it's where you find yourself, the situation you're facing, your life is in a place of crazy chaos. And the best thing you can do today before you leave that seat is to say, God, I just need your peace in my heart today. Lord, I need you to put things right. God, I need you to change me. 
That doesn't mean the chaos doesn't stop swirling around you. It probably won't. Somehow, in the process of bringing peace to earth, he can bring peace to your world. That's what he has to offer to you today. So can I ask you to do this? Would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Not because there's anything mystical or magical about that. I just think it's good for us to not be distracted. And would you take a look in your own heart? We talked about the fact that, that, that we're all candidates for peace. And maybe you'd already checked out and said, not this year. <laughs> there's too much chaos in my life. I've lost too much. That diagnosis is too difficult. The things that I lack in resource are too overwhelming. My mind is too far gone. And I want you to know that in this moment, you can be a candidate for peace if you'll allow God's Holy Spirit to bring that to you. And for some of you, as we talked about being an agent of peace, there, there was something in those peace busters where, where the Spirit of God just spoke to your heart and said, look, you, you, need, to, you need to rest on me as your source of perfect peace. Or maybe it's clear that you came in here today and what you know you need even more than peace is that you need that, that peace with God. You need his forgiveness and, and you need his hope and his purpose. And maybe you've come to the place where you just say, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. And I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior so that he can bring peace to my heart. But in this next moment, when I pray, I'd, I'd love if in your heart you'd join me in this. If you're here today and you'd say, in this Christmas season, God, I need peace from you. Just before I pray, would you just raise your hand? Just kind of as a way of saying, God, I, I need that. It's very, very simple. You can raise your hand, put it right back down. God, I need peace from you. I need peace in the job. I need peace in the family. I need peace in the heart, my finances, in my body whatever it might be, God, I believe that you are here, that you are the one, Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. I need peace from you this Christmas season. If that's you, just raise your hand. Anybody else? Yeah, thanks. Let's pray. Father, it's on the authority of your word that we pray this. Jesus, you, you've come to be the Prince of Peace. You've come to give us a peace that goes beyond our understanding. And in the process of bringing peace on earth, you begin with bringing peace to our hearts. And so, Lord, you know where, where those of us are who raised our hands. God, you even know those of us who maybe didn't raise our hands, but in our hearts we know, Lord, I need peace from you this season. Lord, I pray for the one who thinks that they're not a candidate for your peace. That as they look to you, you would flood them with a sense of your presence and confidence that can only come from you. Lord, I pray that with boldness you'd help us to be agents of peace as we go into this Christmas season. And Lord, help us not to lose the wonder that peace comes when we find Jesus as our Savior. Lord, let us not just rest in that, but let us celebrate and share that as we go into this Christmas season. Now, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Father, would you send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.